Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. I'm Pastor Samuel, the pastor of the Cathedral of Praise. And thank you for the privilege of coming into your home again today and just bringing you the Word of God, some prayer, beautiful time of worship. We're going to have a wonderful time together. But first, we've got one of our young people that's going to read to us Psalms chapter 91. Good day, COP. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence, and will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone you will tread upon the lion and the cobra you will trample the great lion and serpent because he loves me says the lord i will rescue him i will protect him for he acknowledged my name he will call upon me and i will answer him I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. As we begin to pray today, I want us to really begin to pray for the nation. The economy, everything has just stopped. Now, temporarily that's one thing, but... Before long, it's going to begin to affect food supply. It's going to begin to affect transportation. It's going to begin to affect long-term employment. We just need to pray for the economy to get moving again. So let's pray. Now, the Bible teaches us clearly that as we pray for the prosperity of the city in which we dwell, we too will prosper. So let's pray for Metro Manila, that the business will get moving again, that the malls will get open again, that, that money will begin to flow again. Economies are like a river. You, you can't just stop them and expect there to be no consequences, okay? There are consequences when you stop up a river. In the same way, when you just shut down an economy, there are consequences. And we just need to pray for the grace and the mercy of God. We've had well over 16 years of beautiful growth. We've been one of the fastest growing economies in the world for how many years in a row? We want that to continue because it brings blessing to our nation. And honestly, if Jesus tarries... We will be one of the great missionary-sending nations in the world. We will have our Filipino people scattered around the world building churches. 
But in order to do that, we need an economic base to do it with also. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We recognize your goodness. We recognize your mercy. We recognize that every good thing comes from you. Father, we ask in Jesus' name for your mercy upon our nation. Father, first for the food supplies. We pray for all the fishermen. Lord, I pray for the guys on the big boats and the guys on the little boats close to shore, that you'll change the currents of the seas and you'll bring the fish in close within our own territorial waters. And the Father, the, our fishermen will just see an abundant harvest, that there'll be plenty of food in our markets for our people. We pray for all the fish ponds, Lord, that there'll just be an overflowing abundance and no loss and no shrinkage. We pray, Father, for the chicken farms and the pig farms, that there be no bird flu, that there be no pestilence hitting the pigs. Father, we pray for abundant harvest. We pray for pigs having lots of piglets. We pray for all the chickens that are hatched, Lord, to live full term. Father, we ask in Jesus' name, bless our nation with food. We pray for our rice fields, Lord, and we pray for all of our crops. Let there be no typhoons this season destroy the harvest. Instead, let us have an abundant harvest, Father, that our rice fields produce more than they've ever produced before. Bless the work of all of our farmers' hands, Lord, that there will be an abundance of food for our nation. And Father, we pray for all the businesses. Father, there's a, it's a complicated thing, this river of business. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name, let it begin to flow again. Let the flow of money begin to circulate again. Let businesses begin to buy and sell again. Let stores begin to open again and restaurants begin to open again and companies begin to open at full capacity again. and Factories begin to produce at full capacity again. Father, you've done so much for our land. We watched you bring us out of such despair, such poverty. We were mocked in the Asian nations, Lord. We were mocked as the poor cousin. But Father, you've made us a great economy. Father, this has been your mercy. We ask even more. Father, we ask that you give us the finances and the resources to take the gospel to the world, first to our own land, Lord, and then to the world. Father, bless our nation. Let there be an abundance, Father. You've given us such religious freedom. We need the financial freedom now also, Lord, to take the gospel to the world. Father, in the name of Jesus, prosper our city. Prosper Luzon. Prosper the Messiahs. Prosper Mindanao. Prosper all of our great cities, Father. Prosper our businesses, Father. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, let the economy begin to move again. Let the money begin to circulate again. And Father, we pray that your people will be faithful. Father, by your grace, that you will find us faithful to take those finances that you bless our land with and, Father, use them to touch a world. Use them first to build churches all across our nation, Father, and then build churches around the world. We don't want to go and just evangelize, Lord. We want to build churches. Oh, Father, we want to build churches. <laughs> build congregations of people with the clothes of a building. Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Prosper our city. Prosper our nation. Lord, we pray again for the frontliners today. 
Lord, let them be strong in their inner beings beyond anything we can ever imagine. Let there just be a strength there, Father, a strength there, Father, that's well beyond their years. And keep them safe, Father, that when they come home to their families, they don't come home sick and broken. They come home strong and full of joy. They don't come home with nightmares, Father, unable to sleep. They come home with the peace of God filling their hearts. I thank you for it, Father. Oh, shaka muliandara bokosata. So loromasha kolorondara basika. Saliandara bokosha bokosikilihandara bakata. Boso larabasika kasara. Boso lorobosha. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those that are being called. Father, we need a tsunami, a tsunami of the call, a tsunami of people called to take revival to this nation. Oh, Father, the laborers are so few and the work is so great. Bring us a tsunami of laborers, Father, and not people that are just looking for a job because they can't make money doing anything else. People that are called, Lord, People that have the fire of God burning on their insides. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
we turn our attention to 1 Corinthians today, chapter 15, we're going to start with verse 29. Now, I spent a bunch of time sitting in traffic the other day researching the problem because all of my settings that I keep changing and all the drivers that I keep changing that are affected by uh, palm rejection, none of that seemed to work. So last night I came home and redid all of my Surface screen drivers. I dumped my old drivers and reloaded new drivers and put them all back in. And everything worked perfectly until I brought the microphone close to the screen like I normally tape. And then the screen went, hey, mind of its own again. So we're going to try to keep the microphone just a little farther away from the screen because I don't use a microphone like this when I, I tape downtown, and that's the only difference. So there's something in this microphone. It could be the heavy magnets or something that drastically affects the pen and the screen of a Surface Studio. So those of you that are having problems with the same thing, you could have some electrical interference. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 29. Now, in the context, Paul has just spent the whole first half of 1 Corinthians 15 talking about the resurrection and how the physical, literal resurrection of Jesus is true. It's a necessity of salvation because of the strong influence, no doubt, of the Sadducees who hated the doctrine of the resurrection and lived their lives fighting it. Evidently, some of that had crept into the church and some of that had even crept into Corinth. Because remember, in the synagogues, there would be Pharisees and there would be Sadducees and those influenced by the Sadducees. So Paul picks up here after he's finished all this beautiful teaching about the necessity of the resurrection. And he starts in verse 29. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? Yet the dead are not raised at all. Okay, big question mark. What in the world does that mean? Well, we'll get to that when we get into our... Uh, full expository study. But that's one of those ones I've got a lot of question marks in my Bible on. Why am I in danger every hour? He said, because, he said, because see, I fought for this doctrine. He said, listen, you know, this, this thing, this doctrine of the resurrection, this is why people want to kill me. I protest by brothers but by my, pride, by my pride in you, in which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with the beasts at Ephesus, if the dead are not raised? Let us eat, drink, for tomorrow we may die. Now, these beasts, who are these beasts? These beasts were the persecutors of Ephesus. These are the people that really went after him. He calls them beasts. He said, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, we use that verse a lot, I understand. But I want you to understand, bad company corrupts good morals. Now, I want you to notice here. He continues in verse 34. We'll come back to this. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right. Do not go on sinning. Why? For some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. All right. Now, I want you to notice Paul is not changing subjects. Because right after this, he said, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? All this is part of the doctrine of the resurrection. 
You see, when you hang out with people who don't believe in the resurrection and they're teaching you against the resurrection, it is going to ruin good morals. You see, the people who don't believe in the resurrection say, eat, drink, for tomorrow we may die. In other words, it doesn't matter how you live, you're, you're going to die and it, it's all over. He says, then don't worry about it, enjoy yourself. See, th this is what the Sadducees believed. This is why the Sadducees had no concept of holiness. The Pharisees did, but the Sadducees did not. When you don't believe in life after death, there is no moral compass for your life. When you don't believe in life after death, you believe that everything ends at the grave. It's called the annihilation doctrine. When you believe that like the Sadducees did, and like these people were being taught by people influenced by the Sadducees, it ruins your morals. See, people live a life on the basis of a belief. We believe that our rewards are waiting for us in heaven. So we spend a lot of time in this earth doing things and preaching the gospel and doing the things that God asks us because we believe there is life after death and there are rewards in heaven. But if there was no heaven, if there were no rewards, if life really ended when you close your eyes and die, does it really matter how you live this life? No. So Paul said, listen, I'm persecuted for this doctrine. But he said, listen, you've been hanging out with these people who don't believe in the resurrection and that bad company because they have no moral compass. They have no moral stake holding them into place. He said, it ruins good morals. So he challenged the church there in Corinth, wake up from your drunken stupor. You're like a bunch of guys who got drunk and you got a hangover. He said, do not go on sinning. He said, you're sinning because people have been challenging your doctrines on, on, on the... The, the, the resurrection. He said, you, you've begun to believe that life ends, so you don't care how you live anymore. So don't go on sinning. He said, now listen, there's a reason. Because when you go on sinning, he said, there are people that have no knowledge of God and they see you and they see your sin. And they think there is no real salvation. He said, I say this to your shame. Now he continues, all of this is in the context of the resurrection. So please forgive me, but your eschatology, what you believe about the end, affects how you live in the now. Now, now people don't get that. See, how, how you believe about how things end drastically affects how you live right now. Well, someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? He said, you foolish person. He said, you know, you've been, you've been listening to all this influence of the anti-resurrection. All right, again, they were listening. To the anti-resurrection people. He said, what kind of body will you have? I mean, oh, he said, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. What you sow is not the body that is to be, but is a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there are some... You know, I always forget to turn that on. Have you noticed? I always remember in the Old Testament, but not in the New Testament. So, all right. He said... But God gives it to the body as he has chosen, and each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is the same. There is one kind of flesh for humans, another kind of flesh for animals, 
another kind of flesh for birds, and another kind of flesh for fish. There are heavenly bodies, there are earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another kind. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from star and glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Here's his point. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. What is sown a natural body is raised a spiritual body. Now, just park there for a minute. He said, now listen, you've been listening to all these people teach against the resurrection and that there is no such thing as the resurrection of the dead and it's affected the holiness of your life. And you've been listening to all these people talk about, you know, what kind of body will we have? Da, da, da. He said, now listen, just straight up. Okay, please understand. There are different kinds of bodies and God chooses each body for each thing. But he said, I want you to understand that when you die, this physical body is perishable, but it's just a seed. It comes back imperishable. This body is sown in dishonor, but it's just a seed. It's raised in glory. This body is sown in weakness. If you've ever watched somebody die, there's weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there all there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first Adam became a living being, and the last Adam a life-giving spirit. All right. Now, here's the difference between Adam and Christ. Now, remember, this is the first Adam. This is the second Adam, Jesus. The first Adam was a living being. God breathed into him the breath of life. Okay. The second Adam, he's a life-giver. He doesn't just have life. He gives life. Wow. Now you can just meditate on that one all day long. Jesus became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first. It's the natural and then the spiritual. This, this body that we have, I got news for you. This body that we have is perishable. It decays. I mean, please, you watched me for 40 years. I used to be young and thin and big muscles and big shoulders and big forearms and lots of hair. I was sitting down for a checkup a couple of years ago with my doc. I said, Doc Randy, would you look at my forearm? There's no muscles left anymore. It's just, it's just a skinny little thing. I said, what happened to my forearms? I look at my legs. I used to have these big muscular legs. Look at my legs, them skinny little things. This physical body is natural and is perishable. This is the one that comes first. It's a seed. And when it is sown in the rapture, it will be raised incorruptible. It will be raised spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from a heaven. Now here's this beautiful truth of the first Adam the first Adam was created from the dust. Dust we came, dust we return. The second Adam, which is Jesus, he's from heaven. Jesus is not from the dirt. <laughs> you need to get a hold of that. Jesus is not from the dirt. This is why his body did not suffer corruption. 
You know, people say, well, why didn't Jesus' body decay in those days that he was in the grave? He's not from the dirt. He's from heaven. When we're from the dust, dust to dust we return. But Jesus is not from the dirt. Jesus is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also those who are of the dust. As is the man of heaven, so also those who are of heaven. <laughs> We're going to get a spiritual body like Jesus's. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we shall bear the image of the man of heaven. All right. We've borne the image of Adam. Now we will bear the image of Christ. In the resurrection, we'll have a glorified body just like Jesus's. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. This is the rapture. He said, now this is a mystery. <laughs> he said, not all of us are going to die. He said, there comes a day called the rapture when we will all be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead shall be raised imperishable. And we, notice Paul includes himself in there, we shall be changed. Oh, it's going to be a beautiful day. Sometimes I think Christians don't live enough for the consciousness of the coming of Jesus, the blessed rapture, the blessed hope. Now, the rapture is different than the second coming. The second coming is when Jesus comes back to rule and reign for a thousand years. The rapture is when Jesus comes back for his own. For this perishable body, body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. Ah, my perishable body isn't going to be perishable anymore. When I get my glorified body, nothing will ever change. In a gazillion years, nothing gets old. There's no wrinkles. Immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the same that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, brothers and sisters, on that day of the rapture, victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Now let me just park there for a minute on that. Therefore, in light of everything, he said, I've just taught you about the resurrection. Everything I've taught you about the rapture. He said, be steadfast. He said, these doctrines of the resurrection and the rapture, because the rapture is part of the resurrection, okay? This doctrine of the resurrection, of which the rapture is a piece of, he said, should cause you to be steadfast. What you believe about the doctrines of the resurrection should cause you to be immovable. What you believe about the resurrection will cause you to always be abounding in the work 
of the Lord. Not always abounding and making money. And brothers and sisters, I know this year has been a hard, hard year. I understand. But brothers and sisters, hopefully you're taking a hard look at your life and you're asking yourself what's important in life. If we really believe in the resurrection, we really believe in an eternity in heaven with glorified bodies that are imperishable, immortal, then we will work like we have never worked before because we realize nothing that we have on this earth is going with us to heaven. It is only what we do for Christ will last. Now you hear me say that a lot. Only what we do for Christ will last. Only what we do for Christ will last. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. What are you doing for the kingdom? Connect groups, feeding the poor, evangelizing, starting churches, sowing seed to start churches. Knowing there's something that you need to know. That nothing that you do in the Lord, no labor that you do in the Lord, is in vain. Do you remember all the reading we've been doing in Ecclesiastes about vanity, vanity, all these things are vanity, all the hard work is vanity? Well, everything you do for God, there is no vanity in it. There is no uselessness in it. Every person you tell about Jesus, you're planting the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Now, maybe they won't get saved, but... Maybe they'll influence somebody else. There's something that you're doing. You may look at it and go, you know, I, I didn't see any fruit out of that. But every single thing you do for the kingdom, there's nothing useless about it. There's, nothing, there's no vanity in it. And by vanity, I mean uselessness. Everything you do in the Lord produces something for eternity. All right, let's open up our hearts. Spend some more time in worship.
Testament passage that I picks up in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Now I'm going to read you from the New Living Translation again, simply because it's a little easier read and I won't need to be, all right, this is what that means because it brings out the meaning very well and I can focus on application rather than interpreting the words. He said, send your grain across the seas and in time profits will, be, will flow back to you. Now, now that's a beautiful thought. Profits will flow back to you. He said, you know, you, you've got to invest your money, okay? Now, notice, send your grain across. You're going to have to invest and do without for a season. Now, when you send your grain across the, across the seas, you know, you, you've got nothing out. You, you've got nothing coming back yet. You've, you put all this investment in and you have to wait I guess that's the concept here. You have to wait for profit. Now, now, this is one of the biggest challenges of people today. They don't ever want to wait for a profit. He said, profits will flow back to you. He said, but divide your investment among many places, for you do not know what risk lie ahead. All right, so you need to divide investments. Now, what people used to say in the old days is, not all eggs in one basket. You don't put all your money in one, one investment. You just don't do that. Okay, that, that's just not clever in business. You, you don't know the risk ahead. Now, some of you in this season that we have been in, you put everything you had into one thing. And now that one thing is having trouble. See, if you had something else, remember the first of the year before this all began, I taught you about diversifying your investments, and I talked to you about how every business needs to have some basic foundational income. And that basic foundational income does not come from people's disposable money. 
It comes from money that people have to spend. So this, this is what he's talking about here. You don't know the risk ahead, so diversify. He said, when clouds are heavy, the rain comes down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. So he said, now listen, okay? When you see the clouds are heavy, the rains are going to come down. He said, whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. There are some things you, there are things that you cannot change, okay? Some things cannot be changed. And you just have to accept some things in life that can't be changed, okay? When you see the clouds are heavy, it's going to rain. When a tree falls down, it stays where it falls, okay? So he's talking here about your risks. Farmers who wait for perfect weather will never plant. If they watch every cloud, they will never harvest. He said, all right, so we understand there are some things that can't be changed. You have to, you have to look at your risk. But he said, you know, you cannot avoid all risk. He said, if you're going to avoid all risk, you're, you're never going to plant. You're never going to harvest. You're never going to do anything. You, you, there is no investment without risk, okay? You want to manage that risk, but there is no investment without risk. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. <laughs> How very true. Now, today with ultrasound, today with, with all these things, we, we watch a baby grow from just a few cells into what looks like a little lizard and then a little tiny person, and we watch that baby grow. And parents now have beautiful pictures of their children even before they're out of the womb. But, you know, it's a mystery. It's a mystery how that baby grows. It's a mystery. It's the mystery of life. He said, you don't understand the path of the wind. I mean, it, it, <laughs> the wind. have you ever watched the wind? I mean, it blows this way for a while, then it blows that way for a while, then it blows this way for a while, then it blows that way for a while. Sometimes during one of the, the drive-in services, the wind blows right at me and I get all the diesel smoke. <laughs> Just sit there and go, okay, I'm going to need some fresh air after this. And then right at the end of the service, like last weekend, right at the end of the service, this beautiful wind began to blow from my left side. And oh, the air was fresh, and we were so hot, and it felt so good. We don't understand how the wind works. He said, neither do you understand the activity of God who does all things. Now, draw another truth out of there. God is working, okay? God is active. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. So he said, all right, here's your, here's your, agri, here's your agri work. You're planting your seed. Here is your buy and sell work. He said, you don't know what profit will come from one activity or another, or both. This is all about diversification of your money, your time, your business, your abilities. Light is sweet. And how pleasant it is to see a new day dawning. <laughs> now, I have to tell you, Sister Bev does not like sunrise. Rarely in our married life has she ever watched the sunrise with me. But I like to watch the sunrise every morning. I enjoy sunrise. I, Sister Bev enjoys sunset. She thinks it's very pretty. I enjoy sunrise. How pleasant it is 
to see a new day dawning. When people live to be very old, let them rejoice every day of their life. Here's a thought for all of our seniors. For all of our seniors, let them rejoice in every day of life. When you live to be very old, you should enjoy it. You should enjoy every day of your life. <laughs> but let them also remember that there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless, okay? So, okay, we're going to enjoy every day of our life, but, you know, there are dark days ahead, too. We, we have to expect that difficult times come. Young people, it is wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. Do everything you want to do. Take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. Now, let's just park there for just a minute before we go on. Young people, sometimes I look at you and I go, look at their energy. Look at their strength. Look, look, at, look at their curiosity. Look at how they loved. I love to watch people learn. I love to watch people see new things. Going to Israel, if you ask me one of my favorite things about going to Israel, it's seeing Israel fresh and new through your eyes every time. It's, it's beautiful to see your eyes take in Jerusalem, to see your eyes watch that first sunrise over the Sea of Galilee, to see you look at these places where Jesus walked, to walk with you through Capernaum and to realize Jesus walked from right there to right there, from, from the synagogue to Peter's house to realize Jesus walked right here. I, I'm walking right where Jesus walked. He said, listen, take it all in. Do everything you want to do. Enjoy your life. But remember, you must give an account to God for everything you do. No sin, young people. You are accountable to God. I know you're young, but you still have to be accountable to God for everything you do. So refuse to worry and keep your body healthy. But remember that youth with the whole life before you is meaningless. He said, listen, young people, life ahead of you is meaningless. Now, this is a very discouraged guy talking again. Chapter 12. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Wow. There's a revelation that you need to get a hold of. Maybe this was part of Solomon's problem when he was younger. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. Sometimes for seniors, life is not pleasant. The knees hurt, the back hurts, they can't sleep. They can't eat the foods they want anymore, especially in his day because they wouldn't have had teeth left anymore. He said, don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Young people, you need to keep God right in the forefront of your thinking every day of your life. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. 
Remember him before your teeth, your few remaining servants, stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. So now notice, he says, as you get older, there are some things that aren't going to work as well. He said, your legs are not going to work as well. He said, your old eyes are not going to work as well. He said, your shoulders aren't going to work as well. Your teeth are not going to work as well. And your eyes are not going to work as well. He said, so young people, remember him in your youth. Honor him in your youth. You know, I meet people, and sometimes people say the strangest thing to us as pastors. Find my pen here. I meet people, and they say, you know, when I retire, I'm going to serve God. God doesn't want you. Yes, he still wants you. That's, not, that's the wrong thing to say. God wants you whenever. But I can look at my life and go, you know, when I was 18 years old, I began to serve God and began to preach. I've given God all the strongest years of my life. And now I'm not as strong as I used to be. Now I can still, I'm still a kettlebell. I can still go when most people can't go. But my knees are not what they used to be. My shoulders don't sit back as strong as they used to sit back. My eyes are not as clear as they used to be. I understand. I gave the greatest years of my strength to the kingdom. I have no regrets. I don't understand people that say, I'm going to enjoy my life, and when I get old, then I'll go to the ministry. No, I don't want to do that. Now, God will take you at any time. Please, don't, don't get me wrong. But isn't it better, young people, honor him in your youth? Remember him in the days of your strength? Remember him before the door of life's opportunity is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all sounds will grow faint. All right, so notice, opportunities, work, sound, or hearing. He said, as you get older, the opportunities are not there anymore. When you're young, everything is an opportunity. As you get older, opportunities grow fewer and farther in between. People don't want to, to give a person who's getting older an opportunity. Work, the sound of work fades. We're not doing as much. And even the first chirping of the birds in the morning, their sounds grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Okay, the, that this is part of getting old. When people get into their 70s and 80s, they start becoming fearful of falling. And they worry about the danger in the streets. When you're a young guy, you don't think about that. You know, I, I grew up on the streets. So I've always been able to take care of myself and not worry about much of anything. You know, you might whip me, but you're going you're gonna to wish you hadn't even started. I mean, that was the way I lived my life. And I can remember walking through Pandakan one day, visiting some members, and I was by myself, and I was walking up the street, and there was six or eight guys standing up there. Now, most of my life, I would have walked straight through those guys and never given it a second thought. They want to mess with me, they're going to be sorry. 
But you know what? On that day, I think I was in my early 50s then. I'll never forget the first time I realized, you know what? I couldn't handle that. I couldn't have taken care of those boys. I might have taken care of one or two, but the rest would have got me. And that was a really funny feeling for me. For the first time, I began to think about the danger on the streets. These are things that you, as a young man, you don't think about. Bring it on, you know? But as you get older, you become fearful of falling. You worry about the danger of the streets before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom. Now, maybe I'm not an almond tree in bloom, but um, maybe the roots are in bloom, all right? And you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. Have you ever seen a drag dying grasshopper just kind of pull itself along? Somehow that's how old people walk down the street. Have you ever seen a really old person in the market that's just kind of dragging along? And the Canterbury no longer inspires sexual desires. You get older, man, you don't have those hormones flowing in you anymore. He said, listen, this is what it's like to grow old. So remember him before you near your grave, your everlasting home, where mourners will weep at your funeral. And notice how many times does he say, remember him, remember him, remember him, remember him, remember him, remember him. Remember now your creator while you are young. Oh, young people, please. If Jesus tarries, this, this is your future, just like it's my future. He said, so why you've got the strength and the energy and the good teeth and the opportunities and you're not scared of anything and you got good eyes. Remember him. Remember your creator while you were still young, before the cord, the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. All right, this is death. The dust will return to the earth. The spirit will return to the God who gave it. This physical body, we talked about it earlier, where Jesus has the first and the second Adam. First Adam, dusty came, dusty returned. Second Adam, he was from heaven. This is why Jesus' body did not suffer corruption. He was not from the dust. He was from heaven. But we are from the dust. From dust we will return to the earth. This body will turn to dirt. Now, whether you are cremated or whether you are destroyed by worms, one of the two, okay? And literally, I mean, people say, Pastor, is it okay to be cremated? Yeah. Fire turns you back to dust quicker. But, you know, if you choose to do it, just being buried in the ground, then the bugs will eat you and come back in a few years and there'll be nothing but dust there with your bones. But the spirit, when you die, your spirit returns to God who gave it. Now, see, this is, why, this is why I don't believe in abortion, okay? People always say, why don't you believe in abortion? Because something happened. Now, we, we call it the sperm and the egg get together. We know all the medical stuff. But, you know, a sperm and egg can get together and nothing happened. It takes God to give it a spark of life. And I've seen documentaries on the spark of life that something actually hits that egg. And there's, there's a spark. It's called the spark of life. That's God. 
the living spirit coming in at conception. God gave that living spirit. And when we die, our spirit returns to God. Now, in the rapture that we just talked about earlier, we get our physical body back at the rapture and our spirit and our soul come back into this glorified body. But until then, our spirit returns to God who gave it. This is why when people talk about, you know, pastor, in the Old Testament, people didn't go to heaven. They went to this other place and it was a temporary holding place. No, the spirit returns to God. Okay, you just need to get a hold of that one. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. Keep this in mind. The teacher was considered wise, and he taught the people everything he knew. He listened carefully to many proverbs, studying them and classifying them. The teacher sought to find just the right words to express truths clearly. All right, now just park here for a minute and learn about teaching. All right. To teach, you must listen and learn. To teach, you must study. To teach, you must classify truth. And to teach, you must search presentation. Search for just the right words, okay? Right words. How can I communicate this? These, this is the essence of good teaching. Listen and learn, study, classify truth. A lot of what I do in, in computers and in my Bibles is classifying truth, putting truth together and classifying it. That's how you teach. The words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful, but helpful. <laughs> oh, I like that. The words of the wise are like cattle prods. Painful, but helpful. Their collected sayings are like a nail-studded stick with which a shepherd drives the sheep. A nail-studded stick. Again, painful, but helpful. My child, let me give you further advice. Be careful, for writing books is endless, and much study wears you out. Now, young people love that verse. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. All right, now I kept telling you, you need to go back to the last paragraph. He said, I've, I've gone into sin and I've explored the pleasures of sin. I've done all these horrible things. He said, you see all my discouragement poured out. But he said, here's my final conclusion. Fear God. Respect God. Obey for this is everyone's duty. Accountability. Which is what we taught you earlier in Romans. Accountability. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. He said, now, now here's the bottom line, folks. Respect God. Obey God. God will hold every man accountable. He said, that's my conclusion of everything I have to say. Everything I've learned, going into sin, doing all kinds of bad things, 
He said, everything I've learned, here's the bottom line. Respect God, obey God, and remember you are accountable to God. All right, God bless you. We'll see you tonight, 7 o'clock.